0: Yeah, I would like to read maybe a couple hymns that have to do with a little bit of what I would like to take up with this afternoon. Um, The first one is 24 in the Appendix. 24 in the Appendix. Nothing but Christ, as on we tread, the gift on Christ, God's living bread. With staff in hand and feet well shod, Nothing but Christ, the Christ of God. Everything lost for him below, taking the cross where we go, showing to all where once he tried, nothing but Christ, the Christ of God. Nothing save him in all our ways, giving the theme for ceaseless praise. Our whole resource along the road, nothing but Christ, the Christ of God. I'd like to just read one more hymn. Number 46 in the back. Number 46 in the back. Have I an object, Lord, below, which would divide my heart with thee, which would divert its even flow in answer to thy constancy? O teach me quickly to return and cause my heart afresh to burn. Have I a hope, however, dear, which would defer thy coming, Lord, which would detain my spirit here, where nought can lasting joy afford. From it, my Savior, set me free to look and long and wait for thee. Be thou the object, bright and fair, to fill and satisfy the heart. My hope to meet thee in the air and more from thee depart, that I may undistracted be to follow, serve, and wait for thee. I would... Like to just read some verses that would be the basis of what I'd like to take up in the Old Testament. And I will read them without comment. And the first one is in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Matthew chapter 6 I don't think I'll have time to come back to these so I just want to read them Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 verses we know very well lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or whatsoever shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth, on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God and now 1st John 1st John 2 and verse 15 Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Well, I have a question, and if someone could answer this question for me. Does someone know what portion, the last three Lord's Days, what portion was brought up each Sunday? The speaker of the last three Lord's Days brought up this portion. Does anyone know? Is it John 4? Is it John 4? Thank you. It was Jacob's well. Yes. And I was thinking, you know, often we find ourselves weary passing through this wilderness scene. And every time we sit down at Jacob's well, as it were, we come away refreshed. You know, Jacob's well is seven and a half feet wide and 75 feet deep. It's been said that it was actually deeper at one point. But people would come to the well, and because they couldn't see the bottom, they would throw a rock into that well and listen till it hit the bottom. Do you think that we could ever plumb the depths, Jacob's well do you think we could ever come to the bottom of Jacob's well to the refreshment that it can yield I don't think so I don't think so you know Jacob's well as our brother Doug gave to us in the valley of Shechem And it was, could you say, a time of great exercise for Jacob. He went through, there was sorrow there, but there's where he dug that well, was there in the Valley of Shechem. But what was wrong? Jacob hadn't fully returned. To the starting point that he had left. He wasn't back in Bethel yet. Jacob dug that well in the valley of Shechem and the Lord was dealing with him and wanting him to be drawn back to Bethel. And so I think so it is in our own lives. Are there, there are times in our own lives we look back that we've been put through the fiery furnace of trial. And do we have a well there? Can we go back to that well and find refreshment? Or is there not refreshment? You know, I think as we pass through the fiery furnace, you think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says there is no smell of fire upon them. So there's, there either is a smell of fire upon us or there's no smell of fire upon us. What do I mean by that? There's a smell of fire upon us. And we look back at that trial that we've had in our life. And there's hard feelings, hard thoughts, maybe even a root of bitterness. which is defiling to the many. I think there's the smell of fire upon us. But if we can look back at that trial that the Lord has taken us through and there's no smell of fire upon us, I think we'll find a well there, a well that was dug in great exercise of soul. And if there's a well there, It can be, bring refreshment to many. And so maybe with the Lord's help, I would like to go back to a little well that I've dug in my life many years ago. And first, maybe we could turn to Psalm 84. psalm chapter 84 i trust we could find a little refreshment here it's a place that i often find myself psalm 84 in verse 5 blessed is the man whose strength is indeed in whose heart are the ways of them verse 6 who passing through the valley of Becca make it a well the rain also filleth the pools well thinking of this verse you know I think of the rain that filleth the pools. I think of that as to, you know, oftentimes when we're at a conference, we turn to those verses in Malachi, and we ask the Lord would pour us out a blessing. I think of that as the rains that filleth the pools. Soon the sun comes out and those little puddles of water are gone. It might be a temporary thing how thankful we are for those times but then there are also springs and springs are that which we we know where they are and we can resort whenever we need as it were a drink or refreshed we can go there how thankful we are for known places that we can go for refreshment whether it's the assembly meetings or the written ministry or whose faith follow Recordings.com. how thankful for we, we are for those springs that we can find refreshment for our souls but what about a well what about a well it says when passing through the valley of Becca. make it a well. It says, make it a well. And so where there's exercise of soul, as we know, the Valley of Baca can be a time of weeping, a time of trial. The Lord wants us to make it a well. And you know, a well, think of Jacob's well, it was dug in limestone and it was dug by hand much physical exercise and so if we're going to have a well at the end of a trial there's going to be need there's going to need to be the exercise of soul with the lord that we might have a well and that years later we could come back to that well and find refreshment and others too and so i would like to take you now to that which i found years past when passing through a trial um in numbers i think it's numbers chapter 32 first maybe we'll go to numbers 22 these are things we know very well Numbers chapter 22 and verse 1 and the children of Israel sat forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho you know I think this was a very exciting time here they had been 40 years in the wilderness, and here they were at the banks of the Jordan, soon to enter the promised land. That was, I, I don't, I don't think I can express the thoughts that would have been going through the minds of the children of Israel, soon to enter into that which the Lord had blessed them with. It was theirs. But now turn to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers uh, chapter 32. And this is. Not what we would have expected. As we're there at the Jordan River. It's. We would have to say rather sad what we have here before us, but it's something that as a young, young man, I, the Lord gave me. And I just want to share this. Numbers 32 and verse one. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that, behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest, and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth, and Dibon, and Jazer and Nimrah, and Heshbon and Elea, and Shebon and Nepo, and Beon. Even the country which the Lord smote before the children of Israel is a land of cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession. Isn't this sad? And bring us not over Jordan. Just hold your place there. And I want to read a verse or two in first Timothy. 1st Timothy chapter 6. 1st Timothy chapter 6. And verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded. Nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. Oh, Timothy, keep that which was committed to thy trust. Can you still hear me okay? Yeah. I'm really, okay, thank you. I'm really thinking of these two phrases the end of verse 19 lay hold on eternal life or it is really lay hold on that which is really life O Timothy keep that which is committed to thy trust so there's a verse that said to lay hold on that which is ter- eternal life or really life and then it's to keep so we need to lay hold but then there's a test to keep. And so we see here, here they came to the banks of the Jordan River. And here is Reuben and Gat, two tribes. They had much pattern. And they said, bring us not over Jordan. I'm going to read Moses' response in verse 6. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall you sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the hearts of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given given them? Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. But when they went up into the valley of Eshcol, and saw the land, they discouraged the heart to the children of Israel, that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt, from twenty years old and upward, shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and Joshua the son of Nun. For they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel. And he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, you are risen up in your father's stead. An increase of sinful men. To augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if you turn away from after him. He will yet again leave you in the wilderness and ye shall destroy all this people. Well, this was Moses' response to these two tribes, Reuben and Gad. He was fearful just as it was 40 years ago when they feared the enemy in the land. So it was here. Now they had great possession. And they said, bring us not over Jordan. What is the Jordan? Well, we know the Red Sea is Christ's death, the Lord Jesus' death for us. But the Red Sea is our death with him. Think of Galatians two twenty, I am crucified with Christ. That's going down into the Jordan to the bottom. Nevertheless, I live. That's resurrection coming up into the land of Canaan. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so there are things in our lives that can hinder us from entering into those blessings, those spiritual blessings that we have in heavenly places, in Ephesians. But this is what I, the next verse, is what struck me as a young man. The Lord was dealing with me. Numbers 32 and verse 16. And they came near unto him and said, Mm -hmm. We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities our little ones but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of israel i just want you to notice the order that's here we will build sheep holds for our cattle so was their possessions came first cities for our little ones their children But we ourselves, or you could say, then we ourselves will go ready. What's wrong? Turn over to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7. This has been a real help to me. And it still is a help to me. Ezra chapter 7. Just going to read part of verse 1. Now after these things. In the reign of Artaxerxes king of Persia. Ezra. The end of verse 5. We see. That he was in the line of Aaron. The chief priest. Verse 10. over ten, well, 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses. Verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach it in Israel statutes and judgments. Well, Ezra... The temple had been built, and Ezra is now going to make a trip with about 1,500 people. Not only were there going to be people there, but we know there was much wealth, much gold and silver, and other things being carried to Jerusalem. And I I so enjoyed in chapter 8, and if you've kept your place there in Numbers 32, I want to read these verses, and you'll see there's an order here that's instructive. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahiva, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us. And for our little ones, and for all our substance. So we see he proclaimed a fast. What is fasting? Well, I might pass on, I'm not sure where I got it, but I'm sure I got it from the some of the writings. You know, we can't destroy the flesh through fasting. But fasting is the result of putting the flesh in its rightful place, the place of death. And there's no need to feed a dead man. And you might say that Ezra, as it were, he had already crossed the Jordan River in spirit. He proclaimed a fast. There was a journey, and it was a four-month journey. There was many dangers along the way. And so... He proclaimed a fast there at the river Heva. But look what he says. He says, to afflict ourselves before our God, to seek of him a right way. What comes first? Is it their substance? It's not. It's for us. And so, how important it is for those of us At the beginning of our journey, when we're young, that we might seek to be in the Lord's presence, that we might seek a right way for ourselves first. We're never going to have it right if we don't put ourselves first in the presence of the Lord. We're never going to direct, be able to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord if we ourselves aren't found in his presence. Nor are we going to know how to use our substance or possessions rightly. And so we see, here with Ezra, this was a real help to me in understanding why did Reuben and Gad go astray? Ezra had it right. It was for us and for our little ones. And for all our substance. And so we see. That in verse 31. Then we departed from the river Hava On the twelfth day. Of the first month to go unto Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us. And he delivered us from the hand of the enemy. And of such as lay in wait. By the way. Well I know there's more here. That could be brought up. But I'll leave it at that. And so we see. That the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, they had things in the wrong order and it led them astray. They weren't interested in entering entering into that land that the Lord had promised. So there are things that can hinder us from entering into that which the Lord would like us to enter into. So I'd like to look on farther down in the chapter and see something that's very interesting. We see in verse one it says the children of Reuben and the children of Gad. Now let's look at verse thirty-one. A little surprise comes in here. And the children of Gad. And the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord has said unto thy servants, so will we do. So Moses had told them what they had to do, that they needed to go in and help take possession of the land. And they said they would. You know, I wonder, it it is said that they did build the cities or they built, the places for the animals, and they built, as it said in verse sixteen, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle, so there's their possessions, number one, and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will go ready. I just wonder if they hadn't waited on that, they would have gone in and helped taken the land if they would have come back and got their possessions and their children and said, we're going in. But no, I think before they went in, they did this. So they said in verse 31, so will we do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, that the possession of our inheritance on this side, Jordan, may be ours. And Moses gave unto them, listen to this very carefully. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben. Does it end there? Where does this come in? And unto half the tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. Where did Manasseh come from? Beginning of the chapter, it was only Gad and Reuben. Here we have half-tribe of Manasseh. Why half? Why not the whole tribe? Maybe only half the tribe had possessions, and the other half didn't? Could that be? I don't think so. Do you think this was a peaceful thing? Do you think the division of the tribe of Manasseh Do you think there was any harsh words? Do you think there was any weeping? As a tribe was split in half? What about Jeroboam and Rehoboam when Israel was split? Was that an easy thing? No, it wasn't. How could it be that a half tribe of Manasseh was split in half? And why, I don't know how how long of a span it was. Verse 2 to verse 33. I don't know. Was that four days or 40 days? I don't know. Why was there hesitation on the part of Manasseh? Why weren't they mentioned in verse 1? Have you ever wondered that? I did. I don't know if I can give you the answer, but I want to look at something that's very precious to me, been a real help to me. We can turn back. I'm sure others have already thought of this, but Numbers chapter 27. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 27 verse 1 Then came the daughters of Zelophehad the son of Hepher the son of Gilead the son of Maker the son of Manasseh of the families of Manasseh the son of Joseph and there are the names of his daughters Mela. Noah and Hoglah, and Milcah and Tursa. And they stood before Moses and before Eliezer the priest and before the princes of all the congregation by the door of the tabernacle, the congregation saying, Our father died in the wilderness. And he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died In his own sin. And had no sons. Why should the name of our father. Be done away from among his family. Because he hath no son. Give us. Give unto us therefore possession. Among the brethren. Of our father. And Moses brought their cause. Before the Lord. Verse 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying. The daughters of Zalopahad speak right. Well, you can imagine these five daughters. They obviously were looking forward to having a possession in the land. They were looking forward to their father, Zalopahad, having a possession in the land. Their father died. This was a trial for them. And, you know, it was just the five daughters that came. They hadn't gathered a group of people to force this thing through. No, it's the five daughters came in simplicity. And I think, as they say, our father died in the wilderness. At the end of verse, end of the verse three, died in his own sin. Could you say that they've eaten this sin offering? They weren't hiding anything. Their had fell, but they made it very clear that he was not with the company of those that had gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah. There, in the, those with Korah, it was really self-will. But with these daughters, they weren't coming to seek their own rights. They were coming in earnest desire that they might have a portion in the promised land. And it wasn't for themselves, you might say. We see in verse 4, why should the name of our father be done away from among his family? Because he hath no son. And so the request was, and they brought it to the door of the tabernacle, the place where decisions could be made. They brought it to Moses, and Moses, he did the right thing, and he took it to the Lord. I'm afraid if it was me, I would have said, this this has never been heard of. How could you think that you daughters of Zelophehad could have a portion in the land? No, he took it to the Lord. Why didn't the Lord have this in the law already? Oh, he wanted to bring out something very special with the daughters of Zelophehad. And so, we see here, I don't know how long this was before chapter 32, but it's a good thing to lay hold on that which is really life. And so they had. They had laid hold on that which was really life. They had laid hold on the land, that promised land, that the Lord had promised. And they wanted it. And the Lord rewarded their their desire but you know the test is going to come and i think it's so with all of us you know there are things that we lay hold of maybe when we're young maybe it's a strong point in our lives and it's that very thing the lord is going to test us on in years to come are we going to hold fast and so I think you see that in Jehoshaphat. What was his strong point when he first took the kingdom? He was he built rebuilt the walls and the towers. Separation. What was the thing he felled in later in life? Separation. And so recently I've had to come back to this. You know, when I was young, and the Lord I didn't have much in the way of possessions. And the little I did have, the Lord seemed to be taking away. But you know, I still have the word of God. It forced me to take up with the written ministry and to dig a well. And now, 30 years later, I have possessions. Maybe not much. In the world's eyes. But I have possessions. No. I was handed a paper that had. All of my possessions on it. For tax purposes. I have to keep. Record of all my possessions. And I confess. That I had to shed a few tears. Was I. Holding on to that. which I had laid hold of in my youth. Or was there some soil, some dirt that I had to pull out of that well? Well, I would say, too, I was thankful that the Lord had laid hold upon me at a very young age and that I could go back to this well and revisit it and find refreshment. For, our soul, for my soul and so the test is going to come for these daughters it was promised them that they would have a possession in the land but the question is going to be are they going to be able to keep that which they laid to of? and you know it might be the test might come days after or it might come 30 years after you know for these daughters the test came I'm afraid a little too quickly you might say and so we already read in chapter 32 of what happened to Reuben and Gad and I wonder what was going through the minds of these daughters of Zelophehad As they saw their tribe maybe joined together with Reuben and Gad. And discussing, should we just stay on this side of Jordan? What do you w- think went through their hearts? Were they going to hold fast? Were they going to keep that which they had laid hold of? Here's the test. Did they? Did they? When I saw this, I wanted it so bad that they entered the land. For we know half the tribe stayed on this side of Jordan, but half entered into the promised land. Did the daughters of Zelophehad enter into that which the Lord had promised to give them. the beautiful thing. So they're mentioned two other times, I think. And we know that this promise that was given to them, it wasn't a well just for themselves, you might say, that they dug. For we know that Naomi, that Ruth, came into blessing through this exercise of these five daughters. And so if we go to the last chapter, we know there had to be a little adjustment as to their desire and that they were told that they would have to marry within their own tribe so that the inheritance, inheritance wouldn't pass on to another tribe. And so verse 10, even as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad, Hermela, Terza, Hogla, and Milcah. And Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, were married unto their father's son, their fathers, brothers, sons, and they were married into the families of the sons of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of the family of their father. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near jericho and then i want to turn over to joshua chapter 17 joshua chapter 17 this is so refreshing to see these dear daughters as a lot of Zalapahad. Hold fast. Let's start at verse 1. There was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joshua, Joseph, to wit, for maker, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war. Therefore, he had Gilead and Bashan. Now, verse 2. There was also a lot for the rest. Of the children of Manasseh. By their families. Where was this? It's in the land of Canaan. For the children of. Abiezer. And for the children of Helik. And for the children of Azrael. And for the children of Shechem. And for the children of Hefer. Hefer is the father. Of Zelophehan. And for the children of. Shemida, these were the male children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph by their families. Verse three. But Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Maker, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but daughters. And these are the names of his daughters. Here they are. Mentioned again, Mela, Noah, Ogla, Milka, and Tursa. And they came near to Eleazar the priest, and before Joshua the son of Nun, before the princes, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brethren. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among the brethren of their father. Look at verse five. And there fell ten portions to Manasseh beside the land of Gilead and Bashan, which were on the other side of Jordan. Why were they given ten portions? Verse six. Because the daughters of Manasseh had an inheritance among his sons And the rest of Manasseh's sons had the land of Gilead. Ten portions. Hefer had five brothers. Each brother was given a portion. But his granddaughters, each, were given a portion in the land of Israel. Isn't that beautiful? Ten portions. Have you ever noticed... I've always wondered when I was younger, if you look, some of us in the back of your Bible, we have the the land of Israel and how it was divided up amongst the tribes. And I always pondered why you have half the tribe of Manasseh on one side of the Jordan River and you have half on the other side. But have you ever noticed how large a portion Manasseh has? In the land of Israel? It's only half a tribe. But yet, next unto Judah, they have the largest portion in the land. How could that be? Aren't we thankful for those who have manifested the spirit of the daughters of Zelophehad today? Those sisters, who maybe their fathers died in their own sin, maybe even their husbands have died in their own sin, as it were, didn't continue on in that which was properly theirs. And they continued on, on that which they had laid hold of, they kept to the end. How thankful we are for the daughters of Salafahad. And so we see Manasseh has a large portion. I, I think there's only one other tribe, I think, that mentions they were given two portions. But Manasseh was given 10. The beautiful thing. <clears throat> and so I'd like to mention. Maybe before I look at chapter 18, I want to mention something here that's also very encouraging. And it's encouraging for us brothers too. Verse 18. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not received their inheritance. They didn't seem to be in a rush to receive their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? Which three tribes had already received their inheritance. Do you know which three it is? Judah? Why Judah? Well, you have a Caleb. You have an Othniel. You have an Aksa. Well, Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. He was one of those spies that had entered in. He'd seen the land. And he'd waited 40 years to enter in and take possession of the land. And so Judah has already taken possession of the land, of their inheritance. And it's Caleb. Another one is Ephraim. Why Ephraim? Why had Ephraim already taken possession of the land? What tribe was Joshua from? Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim. And who is the third one that had already taken possession of the land? It was the half-tribe of Manasseh. Those three were not willing to lose it. That which they had laid hold of, Caleb, Joshua, and the five daughters of Zelophehad, They had kept it. They wanted it. I'd like to pass on one more little note that's been an encouragement to me. Have you noticed that within the boundaries of the tribe of Manasseh, just barely within the tribe, within the boundaries of the tribe of Manasseh, what do you find? It's Jacob's well. Jacob's well is just inside the boundaries of the tribe of Manasseh. I think that's beautiful. They wanted Jacob's well, and they got it. And so just turn with me in closing. I wonder if we can't see In spirit, in this woman of Samaria, the spirit of the daughters of Zelophehad. Could we say that she is the daughter of Zelophehad? Verse 28. The woman left her water pot, her possessions, that which she had, she left it. And went her way into the city. You know, this woman, she had found, she had laid hold on that which was really life. Living water, she had laid hold on that. She was willing to leave her pot behind. But you know, there was a test that was coming. Was she going to keep that which she had laid hold of? There's a danger for her. She's going back into the city. There's a danger here of her letting go of that which she laid hold of. Did she? She left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? What happened? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Well, it makes me think of that verse that says, Draw me, and we will run after thee. How thankful we are for the example of the daughters of Salah Haddon. Do you think they had any influence over half of the tribe of Manasseh? What about this woman it says they went out to the city and came unto him well may we be encouraged to not only lay hold on that which is really life but that we might keep that which was committed unto us and so the test comes And I trust the Lord would keep us and that we could find refreshment in those wells that we've dug, in exercise of soul. And so we take courage as we see the desire of these dear daughters of Zalafahad. May we take courage to take possession of that which we have in Christ. It's ours. May we take possession of it. May we practically walk in the good of it and lay aside those things that would hinder us from entering into that which is really ours. We'll just give thanks. Our God and our Father, we thank thee for thy tender mercies to each one of us. We thank thee. For those trials that thou hast allowed in our lives that there might be exercise of soul that there might be those wells of water that can yield refreshment for many years to come we thank thee lord for the exercise and the desire of the daughters of Zalapa had we think of the great influence they had on their brethren we thank thee lord for those Daughters in spirit of Zelophehad today that are going on, holding fast and keeping that which was committed to their trust. So we too, Lord, cast ourselves upon thee and trust thee for the days to come. We just pray, Lord, thou soon come to take us to thyself. So we give thee thanks. Thank thee, Lord Jesus, in thy precious name. Amen.
1: I was wondering, Tim, do we find um, do we find that the the two and a half tribes that stayed on the other side of Jordan seems to me I read someplace that they were uh some of the first <clears> of <throat> the children of Israel that were carried away Is that uh, seems to me I read that someplace, maybe somebody can help me in that um and I was just thinking of it in the sense that when we don't enter into the land in our in our souls, as we should, and as we get in Ephesians, the heavenly portion, are we not more susceptible to falling into the hands of the enemy uh, sooner? Uh, that's just a thought.
0: I don't know if I can find that, but I, I do know I've heard that too brother kin and i think that is a great danger for us if we're not we might lay hold of things but even if we do lay hold of things are we willing to hold that yeah. we know that two and, yeah. and a half tribes never did lay hold of their inheritance no and so it's a warning for us
1: it might also be a picture of um Uh, the unwillingness to enter into our portion uh, like can we liken it to Christendom itself in uh, that sense Uh, not that we can just say this, apply this to those in Christendom but our own hearts can be in Christendom when we don't realize it
0: yes and I think there also can be in my heart the fear of conflict yeah Yes. Moses did tell them that here you're going to sit here and you're not going to go to war, and they caught that. And so they right away, that was the third thing they said that we ourselves will go in. And so they realized that that was a point that Moses had made. But oftentimes I fear I fear conflict and truth maybe is given up in that.
1: Yes. Uh, They kind of made a promise that uh, sounded very familiar to their earlier fathers. You know, we will, we will. (laughs) And uh, so often we might uh, use that, say that ourselves in our own thoughts, you know. Well, I'm quite able to, even though I enjoy, might lay hold of these things that are kind of that I would like in the world. Yeah, you know, take a little bit of both worlds, you might say. Yeah, I can stand it. But no, that's doing it in our own strength. And uh, even though they said that, yeah, when when there's war, we'll go over. And I think they did. But there's that uh, kind of promising in the flesh again, which is a um, really... uh, Failure <laughs> failure in motion, you might say mm-hmm. no, these are all things are these things are given to us for an example upon whom the ends of the age have come and and so we uh, they are principles, I believe that we need to lay whole of and instruct us. Uh, it's not just getting a word of scripture for a particular situation. We don't have just in like individual words to let, guide us, but we have principles to guide us as well.
2: Brother Ken, I think the uh, answer to your question is in First Chronicles five twenty-three to twenty-six. First and Chronicles.
1: That, where, where abouts that,
2: Paul? First Chronicles chapter five.
1: Okay, I knew it was in Chronicles. First, <laughs> so,
2: 23
1: to 26. Okay, yeah. Got,
2: and then there's another clue, I think, to... Maker was the one that was the uh, leading figure of the sons of Manasseh in the 7th chapter, First Chronicles 7. We have a little bit of a clue as to where he came from. Uh, we can each one read verse 14 and 15 and so on in the chapter there just to meditate on perhaps the reason why Maker was uh, more interested in his possessions than the land.
1: Mm. We read of um, Mephibosheth, where was he? In the land of Maker, of Lodibar. And David fetched him from there, didn't he? Is that the same maker? Yeah, that's the one I was looking at, Paul. Thank you.
3: I had one question for Tim. I appreciated you Starting with the Psalm that you started with, it's for the sons of Korah. And I've appreciated Zalafahad perhaps sitting down with those girls and perhaps being one of the ones that, um, earlier in the book of Numbers, um, was affected by the giants. But when the matter of Korah came up, he could say to those girls, you don't want to go along with this. This is not of God. It says he died in his own sin. And they, the truth of the matter is, they got a double portion. Because they not only got their inheritance, but they got the inheritance of the sons of Manasseh that they married because they married within their own tribe. So they actually got a double portion. The question I have for you, though, I don't know if you've thought of this, why the order of the girls is different when they're mentioned there.
0: I, I haven't, I did, um, I know there is a thought, I think, is it, uh, Terza, that maybe there are those that came into the fuller enjoyment of it than the others, but go ahead, is it Terza that was mentioned? It's an honest question. I haven't really, haven't thought about that. Thank you, for that lovely
3: discourse. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed those daughters too, and I really enjoyed listening to it again. It was very nice.
0: You're welcome.
4: Yeah, I just had one or two thoughts here, uh, uh, from, uh, Ruth chapter 2 uh, you remember that Boaz said to her go and drink of the water that uh, the young men have drawn you remember that passage um, the young men had drawn the water it took energy to, br- to bring that water up from the depths into the uh into the vessels i'm i'm not actually looking at the passage which i probably should be doing but uh, the thought is um there was real energy put forth by the young men and as we look back upon the uh the history of brethren uh, in quotation marks there's been tremendous energy put forth in the unfolding of the depths of Scripture that was never known to the church before. And uh, we think of men like Mr. Darby and Mr. Kelly. Um, the, the teaching that they have left to us is, uh, is remarkable. Uh, I, I'm an admirer of Mr. Kelly's writings, uh, although I don't read as much as I should. But um,
3: <clears throat>
4: to to see the, the the meaning of Scripture that uh, that is brought out by these young men who had the energy of the Holy Spirit, of course, to to um, unfold <clears throat> the the truths of Scripture. Uh, to bring it up as it were from the depths uh, that we don't many of us don't have the ability to do but we can drink from the vessel and i think that we all have profited without doubt from the writings of these brethren who have passed on and left us an inheritance uh, and we need to be exercised and put forth the Energy to, we can't bring out anything new, but we can enjoy what has been uh, left for us uh, in the vessels. We can drink uh, of the vessels of the water which the young men have drawn. Do you, do you understand what I'm referring to, uh, Tim?
1: Absolutely.
4: Do you? Uh, I should have. <laughs> Should have probably uh, looked at the scripture in Ruth. I, uh, I'm looking at it now, but uh, I just want to leave that. But of course, there's always the. Uh, we don't want to. Uh, we want to say now there's nothing new. Uh, there, we can't get. I wouldn't say new, but uh, fresh. We can get fresh uh, water from the wells ourselves as we meditate upon the scriptures and perhaps something is uh brought out that uh, had not been uh noticed before so in a sense there we are we are we are digging the wells ourselves to uh to bring out uh, uh fresh truth or bring out truth in a uh in in a fresh way that we can uh uh maybe a a, a different thought that uh has not been uh, has not been expressed, you know what I mean?
0: Yes, that's very very nice. I was also thinking you know there's there are wells that maybe only we ourselves drink at that we have experienced, and it's just for us, but I was thinking too, when we dig those wells, we have helps, you know there needs to be that reading and that prayer and meditation on our part. But we have helps in digging those wells. And like you said, it's so important that we take up with the written and oral ministry that we've been given so that, you know, the walls of those wells are straight. Yeah. And there's, there's helps that we've been given that we need to take part, Nate, we need to take advantage of. It's vital that we might mature in the things of God. We're going to be babes forever. If we don't take up with the ministry, the wealth of ministry, those wells that have already been dug. it's yeah. vital, but we need to take up with that, which has been proven. That's, that's very, can you hear me? Yes.
4: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, the thought is that, uh, um, as we meditate upon uh, The scriptures, uh, uh, I I agree fully that we should uh, give uh, precedence to what has been uh, left to us, but uh, scripture is uh, inexhaustible. And uh, as Mr. Darby said toward the end of his life, he thought he had just, uh, as it were, uh, touched the surface. The scriptures are inexhaustible. Is that not right?
0: Yes jacob's well can never we can never reach the bottom it's living living word of god
1: john those verses you're referring to in ruth are in chapter two and verse nine yeah and the verse before that is interesting too because that's where it says go not to glean in another field oh yes neither go from hence but abide here fast by my maidens another principle that we should Mm -hmm. enjoy and think about
4: Oh, yeah, verse 9 you're referring to. Yes, I see.
1: Yeah, verse verse 8 and 9 go together there very closely. One is eating, the other is
5: drinking. Oh. Sometimes I see on this call uh, Jesse and Dwight Dodds. I don't know if they're on this afternoon. Jesse's father was Adrian Roach. Maybe the older ones from the East would remember Adrian Roach. When this subject used to come up, he would always refer to the unjust steward in in Luke chapter 16. And the unjust steward said, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. And Adrian would look out over us, Usually it was in the Dorothy meeting and he would say in his <clears throat> rapid fire Brooklyn accent, a Christian ought to do both. He ought to dig and he ought not to be ashamed to beg. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So we go good. And go to the bookshelf in me I I beg on the cor- I, I beg on the corner of Darby and Bellet Avenues um, <laughs> but That's not a replacement for digging for ourselves. No. And with all due respect, uh, we are a new creation. We are new men. Everything about us is new. His mercies were new this morning. They'll be new tomorrow morning.
0: Uh,
5: One of us, young and old, we need to be digging for ourselves and we're gonna find things that are new and refreshing. So uh, I think it's a beautiful balance not being ashamed to dig, I mean, not being ashamed to beg, but also we dig. Yeah, beautiful.
2: Thanks, Peter. Uh, Just had one quick quick comment, and uh, let others see if it's accurate, but you know, with the the tribes, you know, once, once they chose their spot on the other side of the Jordan, the two and a half on, on the east side of the Jordan, uh, their fam- families were kind of stuck. Um, but I think of John Mark in the New Testament, you know, he, he left the work um, with Paul and uh, he he didn't go on, but there was a a drawing away um, and the Lord worked in John Mark to bring him to where he was useful to Paul once again. So I I guess it was just a a word of encouragement that no matter where we are, uh, perhaps we've, we, we haven't gone on, um, but the Lord can still work and draw us away from this, the things of this world. And, uh, we can be useful, uh, to the Lord and his people. Um, That was all.
1: In connection with that too, what you're saying, brother, I was going back to the young men in, in, uh, in the days of Ruth. Now mention was made by John. I believe that uh, referring to the young men of, in the early days of the, of the recovery of the truth, they were young men. They were the oldest one was 31 and the youngest was probably 23 uh these are young men but they dug they uh, they uh they went into the wells and they dug out of them and they they got proper refreshment but those were all the young men in that, that day but now there's young men in this day and we need to not just rest back on those older brethren but we are to do the digging ourselves and so it says there that it was the young men that they were drawing this, this water from the well. And so the young men today are these with uh, spiritual energy to minister and the word of God in refreshment, uh, the word of God for our souls and for our blessing. So I would so, certainly just encourage young men today to do your own digging, and you can still bring forth wells of refreshment for the saints of God. And we're thankful for what we hear on these Zooms and uh, appreciate what you have said there, Tim.